Welcome to the Turning Point Church Podcast. We pray that this message takes root in your heart and bears fruit in your life. For additional messages and other resources, you can visit us at www.tpoint.church. Many times we're say, we say we're desperate enough to call out to God and ask God to move, but are we desperate enough to move to Him? We're desperate, Lord, for you to move, but we're not quite desperate enough for us to move to where you're at, to come into alignment with you. And it's always about that. It's always about that. It's always about he's not changing his position. He's not moving off of who he is. Sad to say for some of us, but he's not moving off of what he is, of who he is. He's not changing He even told us, he said, come up higher. Come up here. Come up here. As long as we're trying to live in this level down here in our thinking, in our way of doing things, we'll miss the higher things that God is calling us to do. And this will make the difference in in your life, the, the desperation level. Are we desperate enough to move You see, by asking him to move, we're always saying we're always putting it back on him. We're always putting it back on him. So that way when things don't happen, we can blame God. We can blame God. We can just point to him. Just as much as we, there are times where we can point to him where the good things happen, we, are, we will also point to him when the bad things happen, won't we? When the things don't happen that we thought well, they were going to happen. But if we'll move to him, if we'll move to him, if we'll move to him. And, and that is in no way an implication that he hasn't moved toward us. He absolutely has moved toward us, hasn't he? He absolutely has, and he absolutely continues to. It's not that he's just staying in my position. You just need, I'm just going to stay here where I'm at, and you just got to come to me. He was also the one who came to us. And not just once. He didn't just come just once in the form of the Son, Jesus Christ. He didn't just come once because after Jesus ascended, what happened? He high-fived the Holy Spirit. He said, tag, you're it. And the Holy Spirit came into the earth and baptized believers. It's about moving our heart toward him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, thank you for your anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. Father, I pray that that minds that have been caught in poor thinking cycles will be broken today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, for every heart that is cold or maybe even lukewarm would burn today, that your Holy Spirit fire would baptize. Lord, and there would be a burning that goes on in this house in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Second Kings chapter 2, please stand. As we read through this, 2 Kings chapter 2, we're going to start with verse 1. And just hang on here because we're going to read a little ways. Starting with verse 1, and it came about when the Lord was about to take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. 
And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went to Bethel. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, yes, I know. Be still. Okay, so the prophets are doing what prophets do. They're telling you what God is about to do. The Spirit of the Lord has spoken to them. Elijah's going to be going. Do you know it? He's like, guys, I know. Chill out. That's the message paraphrase. And Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. Let those words sit. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho approached Elisha, and they said the same thing to him. Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, guys, yes, I know, be still. Verse 6, then Elijah said to him, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Three times, Elijah said, stay here. Three times, Elisha said, I'm moving where you're moving. Verse 7, now 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood opposite them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and folded it together and struck the waters, and they were divided here and there so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. What a miracle. See, the opportunity is in the crisis. The potential is in how are we going to do this? How are we going to accomplish it? The miracle is in the impossibilities. If Jericho didn't have a wall, how would we know that God could topple the wall? If there wasn't a Red Sea, if there wasn't a Jordan, how would we know that God could part it? Verse 9, now it came about that when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I will do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it came about as they were going along and talking that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven, and Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then Elisha took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Verse 14, and he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and he struck the waters and said, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the waters, they were divided here and there and Elisha crossed over. Uh, hallelujah. 
And we say hallelujah to the reading of God's word. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. If you're excited now, it's cool. Turn to your neighbor. It's going to be good. All right, sit down. Passing of the mantle. passing of the mantle that, that we see in this, this story. This is by far one of my favorite stories. I, I love the accounts of the prophets, especially with Elijah and Elisha. Uh, there's, just, there's just so much, so many God stories. They're like heroes of faith. I mean, you talk about a man like Elijah who calls down fire from heaven in front of the a nation of Israel and the prophets of Baal and a king and a queen who are opposed to him. And here's one man who is standing by himself I mean, the, the whole thing is just, is just phenomenal. I, I, I'm still in awe of it. All of the stories and the accounts and how God uses these mighty men of God. And that there is a transfer here that takes place uh, between these two men of God. And everyone seems to know it too. Everyone seems to know what's going on. God is speaking. He is moving. And there's a couple of things that I want to, to, to bring out uh, so that we can, so that we'll know what time that we're in and how this and what this means for us, because last week we talked about uncover the well. And I want to continue in that today. That is the theme for our prayer and for our fasting, uncover the well. Because God has a well of renewal, a well of the waters of life that he wants to bring forth into our lives and into this body and into, I believe, this region, Murfreesboro, Rutherford County, I believe that, and I believe that we are to be a part of that. We are to be a part of that. And so there are, there are some things here that we're identifying that is a part of our call uh, in, this, in this time. Notice that there are 50 prophets. If you, if you look back, there are 50, verse 7, 50 men, the sons of the prophets, went and stood opposite of them. So they watched from a distance. They stood on the shore, and they, they watched from a distance to see, to see what happened. And notice that one... Elisha, one stayed close enough, and they stayed long enough to inherit the mantle. One man stayed close enough and stayed long enough to inherit the mantle. Will we be the one that stays? I will tell you, staying is the key to any outpouring. Staying is the key, staying is the key to any renewal. Just ask the 120 on the day of Pentecost. Last week, we went over the woman who was at the well in the Samaritan village. And remember, when she went and told them about Jesus, the Messiah, come hear this man. They came out to hear this man. And then they, based on the ministry that he did for them and how he began to speak to them and heal them, they said, we believe now, not because of what you said, lady. Now we believe because we have seen it for ourselves. And the word says that they implored him to stay with them. Jews hate Samaritans, Samaritans hate Jews, and a bunch of Samaritans are asking a Jewish man to stay with them. There's miracle number one. It takes the willingness on our part to stay and the desperation for him to stay. The willingness on our part to stay with him and the desperation and the cry of our heart to ask him, stay with me, 
stay with me. I'm staying with you. Stay with me. Anybody, anybody else want to stay with Jesus? Stay with Jesus. I don't want to just stay with him. I want to get closer to him. I want to get closer to him. I want to get closer to him. Something that God was speaking to us at the end of this year and has, has brought us into this, the, the, the new part of this year is that if there's anything that should be a goal for our lives and a goal for this church, and that is to see how close can we get to Jesus? How close can we get to Jesus? I like what Damon Thompson says. He says, proximity fixes everything. Are we tracking? Are we tracking together? Proximity fixes everything. Closeness fixes everything. How many times have you felt distant from God and it's because you've put yourself at a distance? The closer to him, the more our hearts burn. Proximity fixes those things that are lacking. Proximity, the closer that we get to him. In other words, the closer that we get to him, the devotional life gets fixed. The closer that we get to him, the praised life gets fixed. The closer that we get to him, the worship life gets fixed. The closer that we get to him, the witness life gets fixed. The closer that we get to him, the miracle life gets fixed. Where is that? We don't want this revival or this renewal to be a visitation. That's saying we just want Jesus to be a visitor. This is to be a habitation, a dwelling place. Know ye not you are the temple, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God, the dwelling place of God Almighty himself. I think one of the things that we've missed in this new era, in this new age, is the necessity for something new. For something new. Is it contradictory that the one who said, there's nothing new under the sun, is also the one who said, behold, I do a new thing, shall you not know it? The lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, the Messiah that stood with Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Trans Transfiguration. Here's the revelation. The new and the old are one. The new and the old are one. The new covenant was the fulfillment of the old covenant through Jesus Christ. He said, I did not come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill it. I came to fulfill it. It is a combining the two that make one. Kind of sounds like the former reign and the latter reign together. They're one. The truth is when we say something is new, what we generally mean, let's use it in a practical sense, what we generally mean is that it's new to us. It's new to us. I don't care how new that car is that you bought off the parking lot. The moment it rolled off the assembly line, it started getting old. And the price tag will tell you that. And the resale value will tell you that. <laughs> the moment you drive it off the parking lot, the value decreases. I forget what the stat is now, but I think it was like $5,000 at one time. It might be more than that. The value of that car decreases. Why? Because the moment that it, that it comes into being, it immediately starts to become old. <laughs> kind of like us. 
So when we say that something is new, we generally mean, it, it generally mean that it's new to us. New revelation is simply that. It's a new perspective. It's a new understanding of something that is already written. Of something that is ancient and something that is timeless. This is what I'm getting at here. In verse 9, look, Elisha did not ask for a new spirit. He asked for a double portion of the same spirit that was upon Elijah. He asked for more of what had already been given. He asked for more. And that's what was new. Was more of what had already been given. More of what was ancient. More of the same spirit that hovered over the deep in Genesis. He asked for more of what was already available. I like what happens here. If you look in verse 8, Elijah took his mantle. This is Elijah now. And he folded it together and struck the waters. And they were divided here and there so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Verse 14, this is Elisha now. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. And he struck the waters and said, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he also struck the waters, they were divided here and there. And Elisha crossed over. He did what he saw Elijah do, and it worked. And it worked. It worked. Jeremiah 6.16 says this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths and where the good way is. And walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths that the good way is in. So the new discovery, the newness that we're in, it is the new discovery of an ancient thing. We worship the ancient of days. Did you know that? (laughs) We worship the Lord God Almighty who is the ancient of days. Isaac dug again the wells of his father that his father had dug, and he named them the same names. In other words, what worked before will work again. What worked before will work again. It worked for Elisha when he called out to the Lord God Almighty, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And he struck the waters, and it worked for him. Isaac uncovered the same wells, and when he uncovered it, when he was faithful to dig it up and to get the dirt out of the way, the water flowed again. You smell what I'm cooking? You picking up what I'm putting down? The water flowed again because a son was willing to uncover what his father had found. We are so incredibly blessed to be called by God to carry this mantle of renewing and outpouring. That's the mantle of this this church, of this house. Do you know why they dug wells? For water. (laughs) You can laugh, it's okay. I didn't mean for it to come across that way, but I guess it did. 
And Jesus said, come to me and drink, and I will give you living water. Remember, we hit on this last week, and God just spread it through our church like fire. Jesus is the well. What did he say to the woman at the well? If you would have asked me, if you would have known who was standing here right in front of you, you would have asked him for living water, and he would have given it to you, and you would have never thirsted again. Never would have thirsted again. <laughs> when we are blessed enough to have thirsty and spirit-led forefathers who already dug the well, then all we have to do is open up that well again. Listen. Listen, this is very important. We don't need to reinvent the wheel, and we don't need to come up with a new formula. There's trouble in that. There's trouble in that. that. <laughs> he is a, ask Uzzah. You're like, who in the world is Uzzah? <laughs> he is a man because David, when David was bringing the ark, the uh, the Ark of the Covenant back into the city. He wanted to bring it back into Jerusalem. It had been in enemy's hands for years. He wanted to bring it back in. He had this bright idea to do a new thing. We're going to bring it back in and we're going to build this new cart and we're going to place the Ark of the Covenant on this cart and we're going to have it drawn by, drawn by oxen. And the word says that as they were bringing it, the oxen stumbled and the Ark of the Covenant began to fall. No, not the Ark of the Covenant! And Uzzah put his hand up to stop it. The word of God says that the Lord, his anger burned against Uzzah, and the Lord struck him dead. Do we really know the God that we serve? Do we really know him? Do we really know him? And you say, man, God, that is severe. Here's the truth. God gave specific instructions on how his presence was to be carried. He gave specific instructions. This is how it's to be done. And there are going to be posts that you're going to run through the rings of this Ark of the Covenant. And then those, those posts are going to be lifted up and they are to be carried by the priest. It was to be carried. The presence of the Lord was to be carried by the priests. Hello, priests and kings in this room. The presence of the Lord was meant to be carried not by a cart and oxen. David said, I thought I was doing a good thing. I thought I was doing a good thing and he was upset with the Lord. And so the next time he said, you know what, we're going to do this the right way. And David, oh man, I love the heart of David. David's a worshiper, man. He's a praiser. Every six steps, every six steps that they took. Am I right on that, Pastor Russell? Six steps. Every six steps, they stopped and they praised God. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. We don't need to come up with a new formula. We just need the same desire for a drink. We just need the same thirst that our forefathers had to go enough to go on our faces before God, to call out to God, and whatever it takes, however long it takes, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, come Lord Jesus. We just need the same thirst. We don't need a new way or a new thing. We just need the same thirst that they had, the same desire, the same longing that God without you, we can't do a thing. I'll tell you as a pastor, the more that we do this church thing, and as a staff, the more we do this church thing, the more we realize that we can't fix nothing without him. 
Nothing. Doesn't matter how good your systems and processes and programs are, and praise God, we'll do everything that we can to be excellent at that, and we're getting even better at it. Praise God, by the grace of God, we'll do everything excellently, and that glorifies Jesus Christ. But I will tell you what, you can always tell the difference when you're operating in yourself and when you're operating in the anointing of Jesus Christ. And once you've had a taste of being and living under that anointing, you don't want to do anything the old way again. You don't want to do it any other way. And I don't want to do church, have church, have life any other way. And, uh, and, and that's the other thing. I want the anointing for life. For life. I have been so guilty in praying the wrong way. God, anoint this service, anoint this this church, and I've prayed that way many more times than I've prayed, Lord, anoint this conversation. Lord, I don't want to have another service without you. I don't want to carry on another conversation. How about that? How about, how about, how about let's take it to the next, the next step, the next step. I, 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 don't, I don't want to have another day where I'm, where I, I, I'm void of your presence. If we'll do what our forefathers did, if we'll thirst like they thirsted, if we'll yield like they yielded, if we'll stay like they stayed, we will see that which they saw and more and more and more. And that's the new thing is the more. Jesus said greater things that you will do because I go to the Father. Man, what are we, what are we asking for? Oh, Jesus, we, we just want more healings, want more salvations. We want, want more repentance, more restoration. We want more families coming together. We want more miracles, signs, wonders. We want more of that, more of that, more of that. More of what already he's promised. Hmm. Psalm 42, 1 and 2, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, verse 2 says, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? The Passion Translation says it this way. It says, I long to drink of you, O God, drinking deeply from the streams of pleasure of water flowing from your presence. My longings overwhelm me for more of you. My soul thirsts, pants, and longs for the living God. I want to come and seek the face of God. Seek the face of God. What did he say? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. They'll be filled. They'll be filled. Let me ask you. Anyone tired of drinking from a dirty well? A poisoned well? A toxic well? You know, it's interesting here. Count can go this, this far. But if you read the next the next story, the next account, all those prophets came to Elisha and said, let's go look for Elijah. Maybe the Spirit of the Lord dropped him on a mountain somewhere, and you're like, dude, he's gone. He's gone up to heaven. I saw it. Chariots of fire and horses, they, and horses on fire. It was crazy. They took him up to heaven. He's not on a mountain somewhere. And the word says that they put him to shame. They said, we need to go look. We need to go look. We need to go look. He said, fine, go. Three days later, they come back and said, we couldn't find him. He said, I told you not to go. 
That's as fast as I could tell that part of the story. And when they came back, they said, the water is not good here. The water is not good here. And so by the, by the spirit of the Lord, by the instruction of the Lord, Elisha went out and he took salt and he put it in the water and the waters became clear and good to drink. And the word says, and they're good to drink until this day. The living water is good to drink to this day. It hasn't changed if we'll get the dirt out of the way, if we'll get the stuff out of the way. Are you tired of drinking from a dirty, toxic, poisonous well? Drinking from the well of the world. You may not be in full, outright opposition to God and to fullness of sin, but we have tendencies to want to take a drink every once in a while. The pleasures of the world, the well of the world, they're fleeting, aren't they? Are you tired of drinking from a well whose ways are twisted and perverted and evil, whose promises are absolutely empty? Oh, the well of the world will leave you full, all right, full of guilt and shame and condemnation and regret and sorrow and pity. Oh, it'll leave you full, full of everything that you don't want and everything that you're trying to get rid of. What did Jesus say? He said, I place before you today life and death. Choose life. Choose the living water. <laughs> if you knew who it was that was talking to you, you would have asked. You would have asked him to give living water. What was he saying to her? Meaning if you, what I, what I have to offer you can free you from your thirst for love and illegitimate relationships. The living water that he has to offer can free you from your thirst for the approval and the applause of men. Listen to me in this. What he has to offer can free you from the thirst of pleasure that looks like palaces, but underneath the facade are dungeons of torment. The living water he has to offer can free you from the thirst for peace through addictive substances. The water that he has to offer you can free you from the thirst for significance through your achievements. Everybody here is thirsty. Every single one of us is thirsty one way or another. We're thirsty. We're thirsty for something. We're thirsty for something. And one word from Jesus, one conversation with Jesus, told a woman who was so dysfunctional, she didn't even know how to carry on a marriage, was so dysfunctional, changed the way she thought, changed her life, one conversation with the living water. Did what? didn't make it will be satisfied. That thirst that he's talking about quenching, he's talking about quenching that thirst, a need of worldly things to fill that thirst. It's an exchange of thirst. Instead of thirsting for that stuff and thirsting for those illegitimate relationships and looking for love in all the wrong places, I'll change what you're thirsty for. 
I'll change your thirst. I'll change what it looks like. I'll change what it sounds like. Only Jesus can alter what you thirst for and what you crave. It's a supernatural water that causes your thirst to change. What does the word say? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Let him transform your thirst. Come on, y'all. Listen. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and upon it he meditates both day and night. And he will be like a tree planted by streams of what? Yeah. What's her? And he will bear fruit in each season. His leaf will not wither. And whatsoever he does prospers. Prospers. That's the Lord, man. I feel the anointing of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, I felt it last Sunday. I feel it this Sunday. God is stirring something. He's stirring the waters, man. He is stirring the waters. He is stirring it up. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling church, let, let's, get in, let's get in this thing. Let's get in the water. Let's get in the water. Can we do that? Let's get in the water. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I've, I've determined something. I, I had to do this a long time ago. I, I don't want to live my life on the passion of somebody else. I'm not going to live my life by association. I'm going to ask you, don't live your life in Jesus Christ in association with those like a pastor or a church. Do you get what I'm saying? Don't live your life by association. Well, I'm just associated with that group. I'm with that group. And so therefore, no, 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 no. Let's all make the decision. I'm going to get in. I'm going to jump in this thing. And I'm going to out to deep. We're up here praying over this, over this shovel. Mr. Greg, can you do this real fast? I can't believe I forgot this. One of these keys opens my office. Uh, you'll figure it out. Holy Spirit, help him. I'm still trying to figure out. Can you, can you please uh, bring that shovel uh, uh, in here, sir? God uses symbols. He uses... He uses things to get our attention. Just so happens that during this time of uncovering the well, God is using this this shovel um, uh, to all those who came on Wednesday night. And, and I'm gonna I'm gonna encourage you this Wednesday night. Come, come. We're praying. We're learning about fasting and about prayer. We're going to continue that this week, and we're going to pray. We're going to put it into practice. My God, don't be hearers only. Be doers of the word. Be don't be just hearers. Be doers. Be actionable. Take action. We're going to do that again, but we talked about this, this, this shovel. When he, when he brings it in, he's going to, it's going to make more sense. But I want to share this as a body as a whole because, because a few weeks ago when we started uncovering the well, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to, to Big John. He's not here this morning. He's out with his, out with his family. They're taking some, some, some rest time. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And he said, I just grabbed this. I was, I was going out the garage, and I, and I saw it out of the corner of my eye, and I just felt like I needed to grab it. So he grabbed it, and he, and, and he brought it. And God has been using this as a symbol as what he wants to do uh, in our body and what's happening during this time. And so, so he brought it and, and, and said, I just felt like I just needed to, to, to bring it. And so um, uh, we've been doing digging with it. When we've been in here praying uh, 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 every day, uh, we'll take it, and we'll just spiritually just digging. 
just digging, moving the dirt out of the way, just, just doing what we need to do. And, and uh, uh, it, was, it was last week, I believe it was, but, but we were all praying up here. So many people that responded, we were praying over this. How many of y'all remember that? What a beautiful scene it was last week. We were praying over and, and And Mr. Bob came up and he said, I saw... I saw Jesus, and he was, when you were moving that shovel, I saw Jesus digging with you. I could see him, like he had a shovel in his hand. And that was the word of the Lord that started this whole thing as well. The shovel's in the ground, just dig. The shovel's been provided, just dig. Just dig. And so, and so he said, I, I, I saw that, and he said, he said, and the other thing that the Lord spoke to him was, it is not packed. Like when, when the well has already been dug and it's just been covered up, the ground is not packed like it would be if you had to dig it for the first time. It's just loose dirt and it's just been covered up. So all you have to do is uncover it. It's, it's less work. What did the Lord say? Take me upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Right? And sure enough, the Lord provides as an example. Nothing is by accident. I learned this a long time ago. When you're in the flow of the things of God, it's not by accident. Why did Mr. John grab this shovel? Well, here's some things that we found out. This is apparently, he didn't know this, but this is a family heirloom. It was uh, Miss Melissa's uh, grandfather's shovel, who was an Assembly of God minister for 50 years. And the report is, is that he was a great man of faith and, and moved mountains. He had incredible miracles that happened in the man's ministry. This is his shovel. Not only that, not only that, if you'll notice, this is a flathead shovel. It's not meant for breaking the hard ground like a pointed shovel is. So it fits right in line with what God was saying about just move the dirt out of the way. Move the dirt out of the way. That's all you've got to do. If you'll just do that. The springs of living water will open up. Man, I love the things of the Spirit of God. I love it. I don't want to live life. I don't want to have church without him. And so getting in the water, when we were praying last week, I mean, even, even Pastor Aaron over here, I, I, he, he, he got hit by God. He just went down. I, I was afraid you were going to smack your head up against the shovel, but praise God, you know, you didn't. And, uh, and, and, and you're, still, you're, still, you're still with it. But... Um, but uh, we talked after service, and, and he said, God just spoke to him. He said, he said, man, you just, God spoke to him and said, you're swimming. You're swimming in it. You're swimming. You're swimming in it. Deep is crying out to deep. I'm going to do whatever I can as your pastor to say, let's not be the 50 that are standing off at a distance watching this thing take place, knowing, get this, they knew what was going to happen. They even knew before it was coming. All of us can see in this room what God is doing, what he is about to do, and yet we can't afford to be the 50 that stand off at a distance. I want to be the one that's going to be right in the middle of it. I want to see what's going on. And that's not just meant for the man who holds the microphone. It is not meant that. It is not meant for that. The revival and the renewal that God is bringing is a marketplace thing. They will come to the house because they met Jesus at the market. They will come to the house because the people of God are in the market, ministering, reaching to them, calling to them, loving them enough. We're going to talk more about this in the next coming weeks, but loving them enough. That's going to be the difference. That's going to be the difference.
Thanks for listening to this week's message from Turning Point Church. To stay connected, we invite you to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, we'd love for you to join us for a Sunday or midweek service. God bless you and have a wonderful week.